We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by M-Prize Bank, your partner in Possible. What's up, y'all? This is One Royal Way here on Kansas City Sports Network. I'm Joel Penfield, Jordan Foote, joining me as always. Josh can't tonight. Uh, he is not here, but in his place, pinch hitting, is uh, Peter Apple. He is the co-founder of Just Baseball Media and a busy man in the podcast scene, co-host of the Just Baseball Show with Arm Layton and uh, Jack McMullen. Check that out if you want a national baseball show. Brand new show with him and uh, Angels reliever Tucker Davidson, The Arm Barn, and a daily show called Not Gambling Advice. Uh, Peter is awesome at what he does there, trying to get things going uh, on the gambling side. He really knows what he's talking about. I guess unless it's college baseball, I know you're you're struggling a little bit there right now. Yeah, right now in college baseball, um, I'm like 31 and 31, and my problem has been the parlays have not been good. The straight bets have been fine. It's my first season betting college baseball. I'm more focused on MLB and NFL, but thank you for the kind words surrounding the podcast stuff. I'm just... I feel like I'm talking baseball all day long, which is my favorite thing to do. It's my favorite thing to do as well. This is what gets me through the week. I, I don't get to do it all day long like you do. Uh, I got the corporate world stuff that takes up about eight hours of my day, but getting to do this is awesome. And like I said, Just Baseball Media, guys, go check it out. They do some incredible stuff over there, justbaseballmedia.com. Articles, podcasts, videos, anything. Go check them out on YouTube as well and then anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, Peter and Aram and Jack do an awesome job covering the sport. Uh, from a national perspective, and that's why we have Peter on today to talk about the Royals and what he thinks about the 2023 season. So we'll jump right in there. When you came on the show last fall, it was us basically just, it was a bitch fest of what is going on and what's going wrong with the Royals. And that same day was actually the day that Dayton Morse uh, got fired, uh, if I recall. So a lot has changed since then. Brand new manager, new general manager, seems like they're really leaning heavily into analytics and trying to take that next step forward as an organization. Uh, so I'm just curious how you have seen the Royals offseason. It's basically the same team outside of Brian Yarborough, Jordan Lyles, and Aroldis Chapman, but bringing in Matt Quatura, Brian Sweeney, Zach Bove, I'm just curious about how you think that has if, has, if it's changed your perspective any on the Royals in 2023. I think the Royals are in a better spot than a lot of teams that are currently rebuilding um, because they know their flaws, which is something that a lot of teams that are in the dumps right now don't. They aren't fixing the problems. The Royals see their weaknesses when it comes to the pitching side, and they added two really good um, coaches in in the dugout. From a player perspective on an offseason, no, they didn't really do much, but I think the Royals know that they're still a few years away, but the young players is what I'm most excited to watch from the Royals this year. Bobby Wood Jr. is obvious, Vinny Pascantino, who I know we're going to talk about is obvious, but a guy like MJ Melendez, who we currently see in the World Baseball Classic, he's a really exciting player. He kind of has that Dalton Varsho build where he's just such a mm -hmm. great athlete that, yeah, he could catch, but he could also go play the outfield and steal a couple bases for you. The Royals are one of the young teams who I'm not expecting to win the Central this year, but I am happier with them than a lot of the other teams who finished in the 70-win range. Yeah, and they were really stuck, and it was self-inflicted, obviously, but they were stuck in this constant lull of, well, they want to compete, and they want to get better, 
but they are making the necessary moves and they have some veteran talent. They have some older guys, but they didn't want to get the young guys up. They said the young guys weren't ready. Then they thrust some young pitchers up who may or may not have been quite ready yet. Then the young hitters started to come up. Then they didn't have the infrastructure right in place to facilitate that growth. Now they're finally hitting like almost the entire reset button while still having a lot of that core talent there. Um, I'm just interested to see, man, you mentioned the young core they have. They're going to keep adding pieces. Like I'm completely with you. I don't think they're going to win the division. I wouldn't pick them to make the playoffs. Hell, I wouldn't even necessarily pick them to win 80 games, but like, can they be a entertaining 73, 74 win team, even an entertaining 72 win team? I don't think that's too crazy to expect. Um, I think simply having the ability to finally swallow their pride, make the right moves, kind of get a fresh, clean start. Um, and Joel has been big on this. I think that's a really, really big deal. The Royals are going to hit. Like, there's no yeah. doubt about it. Oh, yeah. The <laughs> Royals are going to hit. Bobby Wood Jr. is going to hit. MJ Melendez, Salvi Perez, Vinny Pascantino, even a guy like Dozier with his, you know, maybe his some defensive concerns. He's still going to hit you 15 home runs. Um, I like Michael Massey, especially on defense. They have the tools to be a good offensive team. It's just the pitching. We have to see what we get from everybody outside of Brady Singer. Because at this point, I'm so with Brady Singer. I think he's a very good pitcher. Yeah. And I think he's going to be a good pitcher for a long time. He was a guy out of Florida who I was looking at in the draft. And I thought to myself, yeah, he's he's going to be the real deal. And he struggled initially, but he's just a guy who has such good stuff that we're going to see him on the Royals pitching for a very long time. It's just everybody else I am nervous about. There is a certain amount of that for sure. It, we, there's a lot of unknown, but at least it seems early on that the process that Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove have put in place is working early on. Now, whether it's going to work for everybody or not is remains to be seen, but just the simple raid the zone, like just throw it down the middle if you have to, just to throw strikes is working significantly early on. They, I think their K-to-walk ratio is still hovering around like three and a half. The, this, <laughs> this spring training, while it's still a very small sample, they were 2.02 last season. I talked about that on the last episode. Like that, it was horrific. They they just walked the world, and now they've almost stopped walking people. It makes me want to bring Cal Elder back in the room just to fire him again because it's like, what what the hell was going on? But those guys are. It's clearly working. They're finding ways to maximize limited pitchers, so to speak, and trying to get them to use the repertoire differently or uh, add a add a pitch or shape a pitch differently. And Zach Bove has been really significant in that as his title is director of major league pitching strategy which is super heavy to the analytics pitch design everything like that and it's it's working early on the difference for me at least what from what i've seen in spring training is stuff that you can't quantify like the vibes just feel different it feels looser it feels more like guys are excited to be there because they have a guy in matt Quatrero who they believe in early on it seems like everyone is bought into what he's going to do and how he's able to build relationships with the players in the locker room. That was a significant problem under the previous regime. So just having that in a, you know, a looser, you know, not laid back workplace, but just somewhere you want to be every day. Uh, and it's not, everybody is so tight and intense that it just kind of sucks the life out of everybody. That to me makes me feel optimistic that these guys are, they have the right people in place to move things forward. Even if this year isn't spectacular, think we can at least see some progress. So going into 2024, you're thinking, okay, maybe they can be that kind of Baltimore-type team that sneaky, frisky, maybe doesn't make the playoffs, but at least is taking those steps forward. Agreed. And I think hiring Brian Sweeney was a really good first start. And that's why I said kind of at the beginning of this podcast, the Royals understood that their area of concern was pitching and coaching, and they overhauled it. You look at the Royals' rotation as currently constructed. It's a lot of veterans, but you can tell – they are trying to move in different directions and have a new philosophy of pitching. And you said it yourself, Joel, throw strikes because guys like Lynch, Chris Bubich, Keller, a lot of these guys, because Singer doesn't really have any issues, but they're stuff first guys who can't find the zone. And when you have good stuff, all you got to do is throw strikes. So they're saying throw the ball down the middle and your ball is going to move. It won't end up down the middle if you aim down the middle. And Brian Sweeney, big on analytics with Cleveland, and Cleveland is it's just a top-notch when it comes to pitching. Top-notch. 
Um, cause you know, you see at the top with Bieber and McKenzie and Quantrill, I mean, they're just touching the surface of all the guys that they have in the minor leagues and the Royals can get to that point. The problem with the Royals is they've drafted pitching high and they've gotten good arms. Remember Jackson Kowar? I know you guys do and just hasn't ended up turning out because of the pitching philosophy. You overhaul that you change it to, instead of nibbling around the zone, you have good stuff, be confident in your stuff. And when you tell that to young pitchers saying, yeah, if you throw this down the middle, your stuff's good enough to get by, even when it's down the middle, trust your stuff. And that's what I felt like the Royals weren't doing. They weren't trusting these young pitchers nibbling too much. Now with this new philosophy, it's, it might not show in 2023, but you got to look at the long haul for the Royals to get back to when they were, when they had all these good pitchers with stuff who had command. So it's exciting moving forward. In 2023, looking at a rotation with Jordan Lyles and Zach Greinke and Ryan Yarborough, that's not exciting now, but I think the Royals know that. They know they're going to hit this year. I think it's about 2024 and beyond. Yeah, I completely agree. And it's also, they are still on the tail end, I think, or maybe this is the year that was supposed to be 2022. It ended up being part of the year all season long. They're going to find out who belongs and who doesn't. That's going to be hitting. That's going to be pitching. It's going to be some, you know, minor parts of the coaching staff, potentially at different levels. Like this is a team that's going to find out who is going to be in it for the long haul. And I think the pitching thing, overhauling it at the very top made a ton of sense. Also maintaining adults in the room who knew not only how to get the data, but how to interpret the data and how to convey that to players. It's extremely like you can't even really measure how important that is, I think. And having guys like Carlos Hernandez, who you look up the velocity and you're like, oh, he has a really electric fastball. And then you look at the underlying metrics and you're like, yeah, it's really not that good. Knowing how to implement different game plans and different approaches with those guys, which is tough to do, but obviously they're getting paid for the job and the roles didn't have guys in place that were able to do that. Um, I think the coaching aspect, I've really harped on the, uh, point of wanting to go to work, wanting to be there. That's worth, you know, a few wins, maybe two, three wins. It's not going to make you a much better team, but when people aren't walking around on eggshells in the clubhouse, when people want to use the data, when I think the psychological aspect is there and I wish there was a way to quantify that. Maybe there is, and I just haven't figured it out yet. Um, but I think that is a way to get them a couple more wins. It's not going to make them good, but it is going to make them enjoy it a lot more. That's such a good point. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm thinking about it just in a regular workplace. Like a regular workplace yeah. like yeah. the baseball field. You go in and your boss has no idea what he's doing and there doesn't seem to be a cohesive plan and you have all this work and you're trying to get better and nobody's giving you any information to get better. What's your mindset going to be like when you walk into work on Monday morning? It's not going to be good. You're not going to want to get better because people surrounding you aren't giving you the tools to succeed. Now... It's much better. You get guys from the Rays. You get guys from the Guardians. Organizations who don't have any money and yet consistently put out winning products. The trust is there. There's players there who see a plan. And especially if you're a young player, like even though this is on the hitting side, like a Bobby Wood Jr. or MJ Melendez or Vinny Pascantino, you can go to work knowing your team is building around you and isn't just messing around, right? There's other organizations where it, the Rockies, for example, like a young player coming up like an Ezekiel Tovar who's going to play shortstop, what's the plan there? Yeah, yeah, he could be a good talent and play well, but there's no one helping him get better, and there's no philosophy. I think the Royals were lost, at least on the pitching side, because they hit. I mean, they hit. But on the pitching side, now that you got it, my one problem with the Royals was I don't know if they have fully bought into their own plan yet. Because I didn't understand why, because they have so many young pitchers and kind of this is a year where you want to give them run, right? You want to see what you have or else then you have to move on. But signing the Jordan Lyles is of the world. I understand bringing Grinky back because, of course, Grinky was he's a Royals legend. Sure. But a Ryan Yarbrough, I just I didn't understand it. Maybe you guys can answer that question for me. But that's what I felt is I wish the Royals bought into their own plan more than they have so far i think the best way i could probably describe it and this is not me speaking for the organization but bringing in jordan lyle or jordan lyle specifically 
he's just an innings eater. Like he's not, he's going to be very well made. Like he's fine, but he t- helps take a little bit of pressure off of Bubich and Lynch and Heasley. Like, well, those guys are still going to throw, but they're not needed to be the three in the rotation right now because who knows how they handle that. And, you know, it's this is year three for them, but my question clearly there's will they be right? There's there's still right. a lot to work. There's still a lot to work on for those guys, and because they're still working through some of those things, and you know it takes everybody at different points to really get comfortable in the big leagues. It takes a little bit of pressure off them in the Yarbrough thing. For me, that feels like they're gonna find ways to use an opener because that's the role that he is familiar with. He's the five in the rotation that you know goes after the opener. Maybe we find an opportunity for him there. But again, it's a it's a strike thrower that doesn't walk a ton, and there's something to be said for having guys like that in the in the system. I want to see Lynch, Bubich, Teasley, and others get more opportunities. But if it means that the veterans take the first three months to really you know kind of show the way for some of these younger players, okay, and we'll see where it goes. I I just hope that they still give the opportunity to evaluate the you know the young pitchers, so to speak. Not a lot of them are young anymore. This is year three or four for some of them. But yeah. we'll, we'll see how it goes. That's why I'm worried, personally, because yeah, I fair think enough. the Royals could totally. get comfortable, right? You say Jordan Niles is an innings eater, but then you say, well, three months and then let's see Bubich or Lynch, right? With Grinky, like, are they going to, what are they going to do with him? With Yarbrough, yes, it could be an opener, but wouldn't I rather have Daniel Lynch or he's totally. doing those? It's just they stacked, even a guy like, you know, Keller is back there too. There's a lot of just veterans who I'm afraid that the Royals, instead of buying into their own approach, they're going to get comfortable saying, well, yeah, Jordan Laws has given us a 4-2 ERA and over yeah. 180 innings. That's 180 innings that Daniel Lynch doesn't get. Zach Greinke, yeah, he's going to go out every fifth day and he's going to pitch you know, decently well. That's another 180 innings taken away from starters. You know, so looking at this, I just wish they'd buy into their own their own plan because I think well, the plan would work. I really do. Yeah. And quickly, Joel, before I throw it back to you, um, we'll probably take a break here in a second. I think I've kind of been wondering, like there's obviously a very fine line between, hey, we're going to field five or six young guys and just let them play, which I think, you know, considering what they're doing, they might as well just head and fully, I don't want to use the word tank because that's absolutely not the right word, but fully embrace that element of it and see what you have. Also, like, Brady Singer threw just over 150 innings last year. Like, that's great. Bubich is maxed out at less than 130. Daniel Lynch maxed out at, I think, 131. Like, it's cool to give those guys, quote-unquote, a look. But, like, if you're counting on Daniel Lynch to be there long-term, and I think this year doesn't necessarily apply to him because I do think he's going to hold down a spot. But when you have four, five, even six other guys that aren't Zach Greinke, that aren't Ryan Yarbrough, that aren't Jordan Lyles, that you're hoping can be one day a full-time starter in your rotation, regardless of whether they use an opener or not, it is interesting. And like some guys have options, they're going to work in AAA. It's not major league hitters they're facing. Like it is a tightrope that they're walking. Um, I could see some reservations with that because like at a certain point, again, you don't want to have a regret where you didn't give a guy an extended chance. And like, sure, someone can get hot for a month, but then you really don't know what you have. Carlos Hernandez got hot for, what was it, even half a season? Maybe not even half a season. And now, obviously, yeah, and now he is what he is. So you could have fielded five or six, went to a six-man rotation, put those young guys out there and filtered them in. Um, I think the, I guess Lyles is okay. Like, he's going to be there for a couple years. But, like, Greg, he's not going to be there long-term. Yarbrough isn't going to be there long-term. Heck, Lyles technically is not going to be there long-term. And you are dangerously close had they signed one more guy that was a vet but also not a good vet to a long-term deal or one or two years even that probably would have put a lot of people over the edge I think yeah I think I'm just worried that at the end of the season we're gonna get a ton of innings from at least Grinky and Lyles Mm -hmm. and Lynch Bubich Heasley they might not go over 100 innings each and maybe they struggle in the short term, but they're making strides. And then the Royals say, all right, because they struggled, now is finally the time to move off because it is year three or year four. Yeah, That's why I'm nervous is that instead of, yes, it might be ugly in the beginning, 
but let it play out. It's not tanking to start the guys that yeah. you drafted who all have good stuff in their own rights. That's my worry with the Royals is they aren't buying enough into their own philosophy, which I think works. That's my struggle. That's, yeah, that's a fair point. It'll be something to monitor as season goes. We're going to talk about some of the young hitters right after this. You're listening to the fastest growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. All right, Peter. So let's let's talk about Bobby Wood Jr. I know a lot was made that his season last year was underwhelming. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it was a weird take. He still was 2.3 F4. He probably didn't walk enough, and that might be part of the reason why, but still had 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, one of only five first-year players to ever do that. He just happened to be in the same rookie class as Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. Like, yeah. if he still had a really good year. I hope people don't lose sight of that. No, that, well, that's, so, a, yeah. that's exactly yeah. it. Yeah, yeah no, I don't need to interrupt you, but I, you, yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, thank you. I'm glad I'm not alone here. Uh, looking at the projections for on Fangrass, uh, do you like Steamer or Zips better? And I'll I'll use that. To... It's funny. I um I made an Excel sheet, and mm-hmm. I'm looking at a ton of player prop projections on prize picks. Um, okay. So what I do is I average all eight of them. So there's Zip, there's Zip DC, there's tons that, of different projections. Yeah, and they're all different. They all take in different stats. So I just average them all, and that's what I usually pop out. Okay, so just for the ease of the listener, I'm gonna I use Steamer. Those and are good. Steam. Yeah, <laughs> Joel's like the best you're gonna get. Damn it, is Steamer. <laughs> I guess this is what I have in front of me. <laughs> uh, but Steamer has Bobby projected slash two sixty three oh nine four fifty one. 25 home runs, 77 RBIs, 111 way to runs created plus, and a 3.7 F4. How do you think over-under on some of those? How do you feel about Bobby in year two? I'd take the over on pretty much anything when it comes to Bobby Wood Jr. The only reason, and we joke about this on the Just Baseball show, there's a couple of reasons why he had an underwhelming year, in quotes. Reason number one, he didn't walk. So his WRC plus is not going to show the 20 plus home runs and the 30 plus stolen bases. He also defensively was not very good, but to his credit, he's a 21 year old who is a shortstop who was moved to third and then had to go back to shortstop and just a lot of different moving pieces for a Royals team that didn't meet expectations last year. What I see with Bobby Wood Jr. is Trey Turner light because he has the oh, I like that comp all world speed. He has tons of power. And Trey Turner is a guy who is underrated in the power department. 28 home runs in 2021, 21 last year. Bobby Wood Jr. has that in his back. And it's not like Trey Turner is his all-world defender either. If Bobby Wood Jr. is an average defender, which I think he has all the tools to be better than that, he has a bazooka arm, he has tons of range, he has smooth hands, it was just a rough year in year one. I'm going to give him a 
almost a complete pass because I believe in him as much as any rookie. Reason number two why it was an underwhelming year was he was in the same rookie class as Julio Rodriguez, who looks like a taller Ronald Acuna Jr., and Adley Rutschman, who might already be the best catcher in baseball. That's not Bobby Wood Jr.'s fault. What Bobby Wood Jr. can do in year two is if he can become an average defender and take some more balls outside the zone, because that was what Bobby Wood Jr. But what we also talked on the Just Baseball show about is last year, Bobby Wood Jr., as a 21-year-old, was supposed to be a run producer. He was not this guy who, oh, all I have to do is get on first base like a Trey Turner so everybody can drive me in. He was asked to be a big-time bat. He had to swing out of the zone occasionally to try and get a pitch to hit. There And pitchers weren't even pitching that much to him. And yes, he went outside the zone at 21. I'm willing to bet that the guy with MLB bloodlines, who has crazy tools across the board, give me the over on basically every single stat that you named that was coming out of Steamer. And you know what I thought and obviously there was a lot of intriguing stuff it comes down to two things for me that i think are both one of them is going to stay pretty similar and one of them is going to improve as he ages he struck out 21.4 percent of the time as a rookie that was below what he was posting in the minor leagues if not consistent with what he had in triple a the year before he's not going to strike out a ton at all he only walked 4.7 percent of the time he does not have to be good at drawing walks or be an extremely patient hitter in order for that to come up. He walked 9% of the time in his last two stops in the minor league level. If he, that would be a little bit more than doubling. If he increases like 80%, 75%, he just has to improve some. And I think over the next few years he's going to, he has the power, he has the speed. I, I hate to be that guy. He has the intangibles. Like everyone just raves about how hard he works. He works with the best trainer. He has a really good staff now in Kansas City. Like he is made of the right stuff. And like, no, maybe he is not going to turn out to be a superstar, but to watch someone in their age, what, 21, 22 season, be like, yeah, you know, time to give up on that guy after he had objectively a good rookie year on a really, really bad team. I just don't understand it. He, he's going to be at the least a very good MLB player. And the odds are, he's probably going to be better. I love the Trey Turner cup. I love the Trey Turner cup. I think he's going to win an MVP one day. Really? I really do. I think he has all the tools to be a superstar. Absolutely. But the reason, it's not just, okay, the WRC Plus was low and he didn't walk. Sure. The reason why Bobby Wood Jr. should walk more is because he has all world speed. Like, imagine if he ups that to 9%. He doubles the walk rate. He's on base almost. He has a 350 OBP. The guy could steal 50 bases and hit 30 home runs. That's what we're dealing with with a guy like this. And if he plays average defense... Like, imagine in an MVP race, the problem with an MVP race right now is you have Shohei Otani. So until he shoots off into the National League, you'll have that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> until he shoots off into the sun or becomes an alien or something or just, like, gets off planet Earth, he's going to win the MVP basically every year or it's going to be an Aaron Judge-type season or a Vladimir Guerrero Jr.-type season. But Bobby Wood Jr., if he is a fine defender with his tools, he could realistically be 30-40 at the shortstop position. And I don't even think that's crazy. I really don't. He has all the tools to be a superstar, in my opinion. I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. finished top three in an MVP a couple of years ago, playing absolutely horrendous defense. So the bar is really low there if you can hit. And he certainly has all the tools, and all, everything we saw from him in the minor leagues was a plus defender. I know that he can get back there. Another guy, we love him, obviously. And I know you guys at Just Baseball do as well. I'm just going to let you talk about Vinny Pasquantino because... We know what he can do as Royals fans, but I just want an unbi more unbiased opinion here to talk about our first base. Vinny Pascantino, man, I put him on my top 100 players already. And yeah, it was aggressive. Yes, it was aggressive. And yes, I got a lot of crap for it. But Vinny Pascantino last year had a zone contact percentage of 90.4%. That's crazy. Zone contact. So that's all the balls he makes contact with in the zone. Jeff McNeil was at 88% last year. That's what we're dealing with. With 30 bombs. That's Jordan area. Now, I'm not saying that he will be Jordan, but I'm saying he has that in him. Vinny Pascantino has a great swing, good head on his shoulders, and so much power. 
But the reason I love Vinny Pascantino so much is he doesn't sacrifice anything to get to power. He's not swinging all over the place, right? He takes his walks. He doesn't strike out. He hits the ball to the other part of the field. He is not only a player with a ton of upside, but a super high floor. I fully expect him to be a top 10 first baseman in Major League Baseball next year and maybe approach the top five. I really think the world of this guy as an offensive player, and he's not a bad defender, but even if he was the worst defender on planet Earth, I'd still love him because the bat is, I think, special. Yeah, so he, yeah. Peter, Go ahead. Jack and Aram did a, have done a series of their top 10 players at each position in baseball, and they had Vinny eight uh, after 70 big league games. Uh, I can't remember who said it. I think it might have been Jack said he could be top five by the end of the season. Fully believe in that. I mean, I'm looking at his his steamer projections here. 277, 361, 474, 135 winter runs created plus, which is fifth among all first basemen. Projected like we're up there with Goldschmidt, Vladdy, Pete Alonso. Kind of kind of nuts. 2.9 F4, 22 home runs, 79 RBIs. Feels like a floor. Like, that feels like a very conservative floor for what Vinny yeah. could do. Yeah, that's a conservative year, which is crazy. 135 WRC plus, 35% better than average, conservatively. That's it's... what we're looking at with this man. Like, Bobby Wood Jr. has all the tools in the world, but the best hitter on this team is going to be Vinny Pascantino. And that's not a slight to Bobby Wood Jr. Vinny Pascantino is going to be one of the best hitters in this division. Vinny Pascantino is going to be one of the best hitters in the American League. Bobby Wood Jr. can do so much more than Vinny on the baseball field in terms of running, in terms of playing shortstop, of course. But Vinny P, that bat plays. Yeah, and you talk about, man... I hate to be that guy. Again, I said it with Wood Jr. He has the intangibles. Like, if there's a guy that you'd bet on that's a youngster on a bad team, obviously Witt's up there. Pasquantino to be like, literally you look up. Like, Billy Butler was like a fan favorite, and he had some good seasons, and he had some good production. Pasquantino, he's going to have really, really, really good seasons for a long time. Everyone loves him. Great teammate. Great locker room guy. Great clubhouse guy. It's impossible to not like him, and like he's not going to be overhyped. He is. His uh, profile is so freaking complete as a hitter. You can poke holes in the defense. Uh, okay, I think he's going to be an average defender for most of his career, if not okay. maybe slightly above for a couple years, slightly below. It's first base. Don't really care. The speed, whatever. Maybe he gets a little faster. Maybe he doesn't. Again, don't really care. Okay. His profile as a hitter at the age of how old he is, 23-24, as a rookie last year, was ridiculous. He wasn't just one of the best hitters among rookies. He was one of the better hitters in baseball in that sample size, and that's going to hold for a long time. Like, you talk about the sophomore slump. You talk about guys that maybe struck fool's gold that aren't going to be that good. He doesn't fit any of that. He is going to be this good for a while. And people want to say he's due for regression. People want to say he's not going to be, you know, they bring up Nick Prado's potential. Nick Prado has a ton of potential because of the athleticism, because of what he can do at first base, because his power is super legit. But the profile just doesn't compare. Like Vinny Pasquantino is the Royals' first baseman for a long time. With Salvador Perez aging, you can't really pigeonhole him into DH, so that whole situation gets interesting. But like a mainstay in the lineup for the entirety of the time the team has control on him, it, it's a no-brainer. He's got a lot of Joey Votto in him. Ooh, love that comp, too. Um, Vinny Pasquantino, All-Star 2023? Yeah. I think he's going to go crazy. I know a guy. I know a guy who yeah. said that. I think he's going to go crazy. I, I said it in game 162. He was supposed to struggle last year, right? Man hit uh, 295 with an 833 OPS. He's supposed to struggle. He had 10 home runs. And now he's just going to get better and better and probably hit 30 home runs last year, next year and hit 280, 290 with a 380 OBP and a 500 slug. He's going to be awesome. And he probably, even if he's the worst defender on earth, like I said, I do not care. I don't care if he never seals a base in his career because he's going to give me 30 home runs every year. He's going to take his walks. He's going to be smart. His swing decisions are excellent. It's one of the safest profiles of a hitter at this age. And it's just... Mm -hmm. All we got to do is watch it play out, and it's going to be awesome. I, I'd never done the research, and I want to look into it, but I can't think of, you know, plate appearances be damned. 
how many rookies have come up and walked more than they struck out in their first run of the big leagues. It's, it's pretty nuts. Soto, Wander. Yeah, I was going to say not yeah, very big list. Soto might be the only dude that I get that off the top of my head I could do without looking further into it. Maybe Alejandro Kirk. Mm, that's a good one. That could be. Yeah, I know he's also going to do a live look up, isn't he? I think he walked more than he struck out last year. But yeah, I think Soto, Wander, and maybe Kirk. Okay, so Kirk all those guys were amazing. Kirk, yeah. Kirk came close. So in twenty twenty one in sixty games, he struck out eleven point six percent, walked ten percent, and then he walked more than he struck out last year by almost a full gotcha. percent. Yep. Mm. Alejandro Kirk, short, thick king. We love that guy. That's yeah. like a cult hero <laughs> of baseball, right there. Exactly. All right, we're going to take our last break. We're going to come back, hit a couple more Royals topics, and then just talk ball for the last 15 minutes of this thing. We'll be right back. You're listening to the fastest-growing sports media network in Kansas City, KC Sports Network. We'll be back right after this. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network. So one last Royals topic here, Peter, and then we're just going to talk some ball because we're getting close to the season and I want to talk about more than the Royals, frankly. Um, Between Chris Bubich and Daniel Lynch, who has a better chance to really break out and be a legit option in the rotation moving forward? Because both have looked pretty solid in spring. Daniel Lynch. I I am worried about Bubich because Bubich's fastball consistently grades out terribly, to put it nicely. Like, I'm saying it's terrible, and that's putting it nicely. It's one of the worst in Major League Baseball. And it's different if he had a sinker and a cutter and other pitches to mix in the hard stuff, right? But when you throw a pitch upwards of 50% of the time and opponents hit 350 off it, you are going to be in trouble. And when Chris Bubich only has two other secondaries and none of them are variations of fastballs, that's where I get nervous. With Lynch, I feel like it's just a command issue. Like, if he follows the Royals' way, this new way of coaching with Brian Sweeney and Zach Bove and all the new guys that they brought in, I think he can find it. And he's a guy over here at Just Baseball who we always thought, man, the stuff plays, it's just you got to throw it in the strike zone. Bubich doesn't have the stuff or the command. That's my issue with Bubich. Lynch, I still am a believer in Daniel Lynch. I think he's got multiple pitches that he can get outs with in terms of swings outside the zone. And his heater is better than Chris Bubich's. It's just a command thing. So I'm going Lynch, and I'm going Lynch convincingly. Like, I think it's Lynch by a good margin. I agree that I think it's Lynch. In defense of Chris Bubich, two things. He started throwing a slider now this year, which has helped. Like, it actually looks like a solid pitch. He raved about it last season that he was working on it and then was told not to throw it. Now he actually has a coaching staff that's going to let him throw it, and it's actually working. And he flashed 96 a couple outings ago. Like, I think he too often it feels like it's the old adage of aiming, and he's just trying to get it in there at 88, 89, 90, which is just sad. When he's actually gone back and just let it rip at 93, 94, touch a 95, 96, the fastball... As even though it's bad, still plays a little bit better just because he's throwing harder. So I am almost on the train of just throw him in the bullpen and let him just let it eat yes. for an inning and see where it goes. You want to throw him in on a, you know, let him do a spot start every now and then, fine. But I'm almost just at the point where let him just go throw as hard as he can for an inning and see what happens. So two really quick things off of that. You mentioned Bubich in the bullpen. Last year when he was in the gray area, and I'm not imagining this, there are some articles out there about it, his feel was up. He was like almost touching 97 at times. Like he was really pumping, quote unquote, it was gas for him. Like it was straight fire for Chris Bubich standards. And like, sure, that's going to sacrifice some control and command. But I think his future is as a reliever, whether he's a long reliever, whether you give him, you know, a high leverage inning or whatever, 
I think that's what he's going to do, which is okay because you're not Jackson coaring the whole thing where I think the Royals are eventually going to have to do that where they just say this isn't going to work out um, and something at the lower level Ace Lacey potentially happens with that. Um, I think Bubich can still prove value to a team and I, I have to choose my words carefully for this part, but so I covered the Royals for SI last season. I, I think of any of the pitchers they have, like the young guys right now, he mentally will like benefit the most from having more new people in the room. I think like just the buy-in is going to be, I don't want to say totally different because he was there and he was present. He was working hard, but I think he's like amped and juiced and jacked and like ready to attack it this year. Um, and I think that he fully trusts everyone there. So I'm with you, Pete. I, I think it's going to be him. I don't think it's particularly close. Like I'm not placing bets on Daniel Lynch to like break out or anything, but the logic is there. I think the the person is there. Like I said, the infrastructure is now there in the pitching department. So I think if you're posing it between those two, it's got to be Lynch. I mean, there might be a, a better case for someone else maybe if I fought long enough, maybe at a lower level. Um, but between those two, just the stuff is different. The profile is different. Um, and I think you're going to see a different Daniel Lynch this season for sure. Yeah, that also. Daniel Lynch has also reshaped his slider to look different than the curveball, and so that's helped him a lot in spring early, too. Last Royals question. What do you think the Royals can hit their overwind total? I've seen around like 69.5-ish, I think is what I'm seeing. Do you think they can get to somewhere? I, I think they can get to 75. Is that reasonable? I think that is reasonable. I would go over. I don't know if I'm going to actually bet it, sure. um, but I, I would lean over, and I think I wrote in my article, too, that I would lean over because... They're just going to hit too much to be in the 60s, I think. And, you know, with Vinny, with Bobby, with MJ, with Salvi back, it's just too potent of a lineup to lose that many games. Like, the pitching would really have to fall apart. And with these new um, coaching hires with some potential breakouts from Lynch or Brady Singer taking that even next step up, like, Jordan Lyles is not a bad pitcher. He's just, the reason I'm afraid is because He's going to give you 180 innings of a 4-2 ERA, and that's good enough to get by. It's just you want to give the other guys a shot. But Grinky, I assume, will have a little bit of revamp there. I think that overall this is a 75-win team. Um, do I think they're going to make the playoffs? No. Do I think they are going to overtake the Guardians or anything? No. But could they compete for that third place? I think they could. It's not like the White Sox have done anything lately, and they're falling apart too. The Twins look better, but they also won 78 games last year. I think they will be competitive within this division, and I think if the Royals fully buy into their own plan, it'll be very exciting for the Royals fans this year because they'll see something building unsimilarly to a lot of other teams in the same bucket as them right now. I'm with it. I literally ditto to pretty much everything you said. I think I predicted, I think it was on radio last week, 73 and what would that be? 80. My math is terrible. 73 and whatever it would be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I predicted that. Like, I think definitely over the 69 and a half. Like, I don't think they finish in the 60s again um, for the foreseeable future, pending like a complete collapse this year and who knows what happens after that. But like, like you said, they're going to hit too much. The pitching wallets. I have question marks about it still seriously like again having people in the building who will help and having enough continuity there from vets I think is enough to keep them out of the 60s I don't know how much higher I'll go after that but it's a pretty easy hammer over 69 for me yep like I when I bet my money I bet on pitching and it's yeah. just to be seen it's what this Royals team looks like yeah but if you said over under I'm going over but I like I bet on teams like the Mariners or you know, on the Astros lot. Like, I just bet on teams who I know are going to pitch from the number one starter to the last guy in the bullpen. Got to pitch to make it in this league. All right, so just to talk a little baseball, you know, as a from a national perspective here, I want to talk to you about, you know, this isn't gambling advice. This is, you know, just a little tie into your show there and what you put out on Twitter uh, for all your gambling picks. But to do some futures uh, MLB awards, I, I sent you my list a couple of weeks ago. But I'm just curious, what do you think is the best play for a reward of someone that could like legitimately win it 
And then what do you think would be is a really good value play? Not necessarily someone that can like, you know, someone that could break out and win something from a, a lower value. So a value play that I've been looking at is Wander Franco to lead the league in hits at plus 2,000. I like And that. the reason I like it is because Wander Franco, similarly to Vinny Pascantino, has maybe the safest profile of a hitter that we have seen. It's just he played 81 games in 2021 and 87 games last year. But if he stays healthy, has all the tools in the world to do that. But it's about staying healthy. So I think it's a bet on health. Obviously, you know, he could get run down by some. But a lot of the hit leaders, like Luis Arise, right? He's now in the National League. Wander Franco, I think at plus 2,000 to lead the league in hits is a good value bet. Um, another plus 2,000, I think it's plus 2,400. And I haven't bet any of these yet. Um, I'm still looking. And I don't even have official picks yet. But these are just, I'll give you some insight into what I'm looking at. I really like Francisco Lindor to win the MVP in the National League. And the problem okay. with betting on the MVP in the American League is it's Shohei's award, and it's like someone else could have a crazy year, but it's hard to bet on the American League MVP at this point. The National League is wide open. You know, Machado just signed his big deal. Guys like Austin Riley just signed their big deal. And Francisco Lindor signed his big deal, but now he's been comfortable in New York. He had a great season last year. He is, I even if he's terrible defensively, he's a lock to have like five wins above replacement because the defense is all world. But in that lineup as a run producer, if he's 30 home runs and he's 280 and he plays the best defense in the National League and the Mets are the best team in the league, he might win the MVP. And he's far below guys like Trey Turner, um, you know, other shortstops who I think, for my money, he's the best shortstop in baseball. And he's had years like this with Cleveland. I think he has great value in the National League. So those are two plays that are plus 2,000 or over that I'm really probably going to end up playing. Uh, for 2023. I did not know Francisco Lindor had 6.8 F4 last year. I saw how he overlooked that. Holy crap. Yeah. He, I think for my money, he is the best shortstop in baseball. Like People just forget that the defense is the best in the world and he hits 30 home runs and the batting average is high, drives in a ton of runs, affects the game on the base pass. Like He is a born leader. He's one of my favorite players in baseball. I think he's just fantastic. He's so easy to root for. That's yeah. what I like about him. I, I really have always liked Francisco. I'm curious what you think about this. I just sprinkled a couple bucks on it, just more out of morbid curiosity. How many is a couple? Literally $2. Oh, okay. I, I respect that. Uh, if I bet any more than a couple dollars on stuff, my wife would kill me. So I have to <laughs> I have to keep the reins on it. But I put 2 bucks on Shohei to win Cy Young plus 1200 do you think he gets enough innings to actually contend for the award this year? That's the problem. And that's why I probably won't bet on Shohei to win the Cy Young. Yeah. He has some of the best stuff in Major League Baseball. No doubt about it. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. The new Stuff Plus, Location Plus, um, stats on fan graphs. I think he's top five, basically everything. But it's just, they're running a six-man rotation. You know, I host a podcast with Tucker Davidson, a lefty in that in that rotation for this year. They go six deep. So for him to get 200 innings, it's going to be really, really challenging, especially with guys like Luis Castillo for the Mariners. Even a guy like Framber, I think, has great Cy Young odds. We saw the swing and miss stuff with the curveball in the playoffs. Like, that's just going to continue to play. Garrett Cole is due for a bounce back after some terrible home run to fly ball luck. You still have Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie taking a step forward, all those Rays guys. It's a crowded pool. And I think when voters look at Shohei, they're going to look at MVP before they look at Cy Young. Um, and I just don't know if the innings are going to be there. But if you're talking about just one of the best pitchers and betting on him at that value, it's great value because he's probably a top five or six pitcher in Major League Baseball. And like when you get oh, yeah. 100 on a guy like that, you sometimes just have to, right? Yeah. I, I You mentioned Luis Castillo. I got him at plus 1,700. I feel pretty good about that one. Nice. That, that's, that's a great bet. I re, I'm a big yeah. fan of him. I'm, I'm just I'm a Mariners bandwagon this year. I love them. Mariners are since I was two and a half years old, so we'll we'll take it. Um, that was the, the thing with Shohei is if he gets to like 165 innings and it's the most dominant 165 innings in the league, like I feel like people are going to sway that, especially if like if someone has an Aaron Judge type season, you know, that it takes away the you know, MVP votes for him. People can go, hell, oh, let's let's give him the pitching award too, just to have that. And could you imagine if he wins both? Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. 
I got a painting of him right behind me. He's God, the best. I, he's, he's, the, I, he's the most talented baseball player of all time. Yeah, I try not to take anything he does for granted because we will we have never seen anything like it. We will never see anything like it again, and we're going to watch him make $500 million this offseason. My be favorite Shohei Otani stat is that he ran the fifth fastest home to first time last year. I mean, that's just unfair. <laughs> what is Like, that? what can't the guy do? What is that? Like, poke a <laughs> hole in his resume and, like, point out something the guy can't do and, like, root against him. And I know there were very, very weird people that, like, didn't like that he was, like, invading American baseball or whatever. There's always that crowd that thinks it's a big deal. It's fantastic for the game. He's a fantastic yeah. player. He's awesome at everything. He doesn't fail. Well, I guess the team, you know, he personally doesn't fail. Um, it just shows that when you have two of the best players of this generation on one team, it shows how much of a team game it is because you still aren't doing anything. Yeah. It's awesome. the best. It's the best sport in the world. Because you can have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on your team and finish with 70. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It's the best sport in the world. One thing last to say about uh, Shohei Otani with the innings. Corbin Burns did it in 2021. It's not impossible. Yeah. Well, I, like yeah. I think it's a good bet. Well, I'm hoping I can win a few bucks on it. Peter, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We'll definitely do it again sometime during the season. Uh, definitely want to make this a regular thing. You're, you're awesome at what you do and what you guys do with Just Baseball Media. I absolutely love it. Consume all that content as much as you can as much as I can. You guys need to do the same. Be sure to subscribe to everything that Peter and everyone is doing at Just Baseball Media. You're watching this on YouTube. Smash that like button. Smash that subscribe. Hit that notification bell so you know when this show and others go live. Subscribe to the audio side as well. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Don't forget to hit that follow button and leave us a review if you like what you heard and think others would as well. You can find all six of our channels at KCSN, covering the Chiefs, the Royals, Sporting KC, and the KC Current, plus KU, K-State, or Mizzou by searching KCSN wherever you listen to podcasts. We're also on YouTube. Entertain. Educate. Inform. KC Sports Network.